Welcome to AgriMinds, the podcast where we explore the intersections of personal growth and professional success in the ag industry. I'm Casey Bull, your host. Thank you for joining me as we dive in to the different strategies and insights that will help you level up your life and career. From mental health to leadership development, we're going to cover it all. So sit back and get ready to grow with AgriMinds. Welcome to another episode on the AgriMinds podcast. Today, I have a really exciting guest with me, Allie Cox. She is the owner and founder of a company called Noble West, and I am so excited to dive into our conversation today. Welcome to the AgriMinds podcast. Hi, Casey. Thanks for having me. I am so pumped to hear. We kind of been brainstorming about what we're going to talk about today before we started recording, and we could go a million different directions. But to just kick things off, would you mind introducing who you are, where you're from, all the the details that people may need to know in order to understand who you are as we dive into our conversation today? For sure. Well, it's nice to it's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. My name is Allie Cox, and I am the CEO of Noble West, an ag marketing and food ingredient marketing agency. We are technically based and headquartered in the Central Valley of California, where all the almonds are from, and then also have a team in Los Angeles, Columbus, Ohio, and our our work really focuses on the future of ag. So, kind of leveraging my my sensibilities and my love of being a fifth generation farmer and quite frankly, a farmer's wife and a farmer's daughter and leveraging that, but really thinking about what's next to make sure that we are uh, marketing for the future and doing a great job of understanding consumers' interest interest in food and where kind of their expectations lie. And then also supporting our clients who are farmers so that they understand more about consumer insights. So, um, we have become, I would say, a pretty mission-based ag marketing agency, and we really believe that agriculture is a function of food marketing, and, and that's really our POV. One of the things that we talked about right before we hit record was how innovative you have been to, one, not only start your company, but to continue to grow. And something else that you mentioned about your background, being this fifth generation family farming operation, the entrepreneurial spirit, when you talk about farmers and how the the, the family farm can be innovative and move forward. When emotion gets thrown into that, that can hold them back in a lot of ways. And so let's just talk one, a little bit about what did your family farming operation look like and the story of how you decided to step away, not maybe completely, but out of and do your own thing too. And then we can kind of go from there, but maybe just provide a little bit of context of, you know, your background and how you got to this business part. Sure. I would say I kind of am a lesson in duality, right? Like, so I grew up working in um, the melon shed. I grew up stickering melons. And um, so during the summer um, working, I ran the manifest, honestly, for our family melon shed. And then I also, of course, as a child would just kind of work with my dad in the tomato fields and um, in the hills where we have cattle and whatnot. And so obviously that love and of ag and the love and the pride in doing like a hard day's work is something that's been ingrained forever. So, uh, you know, we have a, um, 
I would be grinding hay and, you know, just, I understand that. I learned how to drive on a feed truck, quite frankly. And that, that kind of then when I got to high school, I really started understanding more about marketing and I was our, our was our high school rally commissioner and I promoted the events and really realized, wow, I love marketing. I, whatever this is, I love it. I'm here for it. And I learned it was marketing and communications. And that's where I focused in school. And then really kind of focus as a um, doing a lot of entertainment marketing in New York and I was in New York City for um, I was away f- I was in G- New Jersey and then New York City for 10 years and I really just learned that people don't understand where their food comes from so this is a culture of restaurants and fine dining and foodies everywhere but truly not a great sense of understanding like food at scale. And that to me coming from where I came from in central California seems so bizarre to me because I know that, you know, 10 acre tomato farms in New Jersey that can only harvest three weeks or four weeks out of the summer as not our food supply system, right? Like I grew up where there were hundreds and hundreds of acres that we were harvesting at a time so that kind of was the aha moment of wow I know I love marketing I love everything about marketing I worked in entertainment I worked in fashion I worked in sports and then I just realized in 2013 I really have a mission and that is to improve agriculture and food communication so that's how I made it back to the back to the ranch as we like to say but um i think that as in building my business we just realized like there is a lot of change and we had a very um early on worked with an accounting firm actually in modesto california and the fact that i'm working at an accounting firm is hilarious because i don't even think i went to my accounting classes when i was in college but um you know but I did learn a lot about succession planning and I do know how to write a blog post about any topic under the sun, including accounting now. Cause I know how to, you know, write for, I know how to copyright. And um, I learned about succession planning and just kind of learned about like what companies were doing and what ag farming companies and family farms were doing to set themselves up for success. And it just made me realize, wow, like there is a reason why based on the California acreage report, family farms are getting smaller. And that is because succession planning is hard. And those are vulnerable conversations that have to happen about the future of where you want your farm to go. And and I know this is like, why is she talking about this? Because this is marketing, because we talk about it every day. Where is this company going to go? I need to know how to tell your story. But right now we need to figure out who's going to be in charge. And we also have succession planning plays into our marketing strategies because you know, grandpa might want to receive printed communication. Son might want to receive email communication. Grandson might prefer to like read and learn information on social media. Due diligence looks very different by communicate by uh, generation. So maybe grandpa did a handshake with the trusted partner. You know what? Grandson's probably doing a ton of due diligence and research on the internet to figure out best practices to come up with his own idea. So that's where marketing actually is part of business planning and a function of business planning. And that's where a lot of our clients rely on us. But I would say the, I would say vulnerability is not, and like, I think we're vault farmers are very vulnerable in that they know they're vulnerable to the elements like weather and 
commodity pricing and whatnot. That that's a normal risk. I think we're used to, but I don't think we're used to putting ourselves in the position of having vulnerable trust-based conflict in order to decide what to do with the farm. Because probably if you're like my family, probably your um, example for that was a grandpa who never retired, <laughs> who right, who just kept going until he couldn't anymore. And that is so respectable and obviously something that we you know I think hard work is just a really cherished it's just a cherished um, characteristic in our industry but I would like to see um, kind of intentionality about that particularly so that we can get better pricing consumers know more about their food and quite frankly in the United States and in California like we they understand what they're paying for. It's a value proposition. It costs more to buy food that's grown here. It should cost more to buy food that's grown here. The regulatory like compliance that our farmers go through is the most stringent in the world. It should cost more, right? It's a better quality. It's better quality produce. It's a better quality nut. It's better quality everything. And um, so again, I think it kind of long-winded way to say it goes back to um, being able to have like great conversations. Yeah. I think your background is so powerful because you understand a lot of different perspectives. And that's something I love to talk about on this podcast Mm -hmm. is how can we take our experiences and our personal life, but then also tie it into who we are as a professional and help on a big scale and the big picture in our industry. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, back to just understanding like sometimes what our roots are hold us back from being where we can eventually grow into. And I love what you said about like our mission right now is to help tell your story. And I want to hear a little bit more about how that is done, because I think so much of what we do is driven off of emotion. So how is your story told? Is it more so emotion or are you taking in facts and selling based off of that? Okay. Well, let's talk marketing tactical. So we are, I wouldn't say we're selling emotion. I would say we are first taking, doing proper discovery. So how we work through any project is discovery, strategy, build, and analysis and optimization. That discovery portion typically involves some sort of um, quantitative quantitative or qualitative research projects. So we actually understand sort of like what the score is and what we're up against. Um, typically quite a bit of intake, um, consumer insight work, for example. And then, um, and then we go into strategy. So once I think we get to strategy, we're coming from, we're, we're likely developing the strategy from a place of um, data right? Like the data-driven, whatever the, whatever the business requirements are, whatever the business goals are, that all plays into the strategy. And then we are building out brand strategy and campaign strategy. So what, how a brand positions their crop, how they talk about their, whatever they're selling, um, whether it's B2B or if it is um, B2C, so business to business, like commodity sales, or if it's business to consumer with an actual proper brand that we've built out, I would also say we do B to G, business to grower. A lot of our clients come to us because they A, either want to get more growers to use their technology services or if they're a service provider or tech company or um, uh, they're looking for 
They're looking to attract more growers to their processor or their plant or their mill. That is something that we really focus on. And then once the strategy is built out and the messaging and the creative or the logos or the campaign, then we'll go and execute it and actually place the ads or write the newsletters or build the website, um, do the social media. And then of course, what gets measured gets done. So we need to measure it. So you've it. talked a little bit about like how you're almost translating what the farmer is saying. So that way the consumer can really understand what they're purchasing. Like you're kind of filling in that gap, right? Did I understand that correctly? Oh, that's interesting. Um, I wouldn't, I don't know if I want to say so much as what the farmer's saying, but really what they're doing. Consumers generally want to know more about on-farm practices. How was my food grown? How did it how did it arrive to me? And they want to know that, but they want to know it in authentic ways that is not overcomplicated. Um, so that, cause we never want to guilt a consumer into buying something for any reason, but more so we want to share that story. And then if this is done at scale from a commodity standpoint, then we need to make sure that like, like the macro issues are shared. So of course, right now, just going back to almonds, Almonds get such a bad rap for being water guzzlers. Well, that's not incorrect, but let's also quantify in that. We also need to look at like the carbon offput. We also have byproduct use. We also have major economic drivers in our in our area, particularly. But there's more to that story that if consumers had the access to that story potentially they might make different choices or they might say, you know, I do want to support this industry or I do want to buy more of this because of that. Um, and those are things that we, that we really kind of focus on is giving, giving insights and shedding a light on stories that maybe wouldn't be told through a brand. And I think that we have special, we just quite frankly, as an agency have special access. And that is because our clients know that I have my own farm credit loans, right? Like they know I'm not going to do anything to harm the industry and I care about it so deeply. And so I think it's a safe, it's a safe bet that they know that we're going to kind of push the story and push the artwork, but also um, shed, shed the, shed a positive light on the food industry. Oh, I love that. A lot of the places I like to focus on are like the human infrastructure of these businesses and mm. who they are as individuals. You know, like I talk about the personal and professional development a lot. And so as you've looked back and worked with past clients that maybe are on the smaller side, like not corporate farms, but more so like those family farms. And mm. I don't, I don't necessarily mean acreage comparison, but just the family dynamic versus a bunch of employees that are not related, right? When you look at the family dynamic, what are some things that have held them back that they could maybe hear some encouragement from you or some pointers? Like if we have a farming operation listening to this podcast right now, yeah. and you're like, if you want to stay sustainable, if you want to continue this legacy and not just work for nothing right now, but continue on generations. Here is some like insider scoop information as to how to build your brand, how to, to share your story, how to get to the consumer and maybe some other fundamental pieces 
is that you're like, this is what's holding you back and what could potentially squash future family farms and everything getting overtaken by corporate farms. What are your thoughts there? Well, I mean, Casey, statistically speaking, 92% of all farms are family owned. So the likelihood that somebody listening to this, they're probably are listening um, with the lens of being a family farm. And also you need to remember, I think most farming employees, and I get, I'm saying this anecdotally, like I would probably put a lot of money on this observation, quite frankly, although I can't back it up. The majority of corporate corporate farming employees, the majority also have their own family farms <laughs> and they couldn't make it on their family farm. So they had to take the knowledge they had to go get a job. They offered a, you know, uh, W-2 and a 401k and health insurance, but yet they're still probably moonlighting and doing their own kind of um, more humble, um, small family farm. So I think that's probably the case. Again, can't back that up quantifiable, but maybe that's something the AgriMind should do. <laughs> um, but I would say, and again, I'm not a business consultant person, I guess I am, but I'm not like, I'm not a accounting kind of like a like finance forecasting person. However, we do touch, I mean, we have had, I've probably touched over 500 family owned and operated businesses as clients over my career. And I, so I do know some threads and some themes. I think one theme for family farms that I've seen really work really well is when there's a board and there's some non-family members on the board, it adds some stability, it adds some professionalism. I think people are more accountable to a calendar. There's something about maybe the meetings not happening around the dining room table where you're also supposed to be having like, like loving family conversation or that's where all your fights have been or whatever. Um, I would say those are a couple optics that I have. I also think just having a clear organizational chart assigned to tasks, that's a place where I think most family farms do a terrible job. There's no org chart and there's probably no like delineated written out like lines of roles and responsibilities. I think a proper succession plan that is in paper, <clears throat> that is either like that everybody assigned and agrees to that is maybe a copies at the like the family law office or the accountant's office or utilizing your third party trusted resources. Um, and there's nothing that says that succession plan can't be updated. But if you don't write it down, it's really, really hard because then you're living and operating in from a place of assumptions. I'm assuming that so-and-so's daughter wants to take over, or I'm assuming that my brother wants to do this for the rest of his life. And that also his kids will too. Like there's so many assumptions that I think that unless it's written down very clearly, um, we get into trouble all the time. And that there, and that's just a few of them. I know that there's some really amazing family, um, like family business consulting firms that are probably better at this. I do know that one of our clients called Grimbleby Coleman, again, they're based in Modesto, but they are absolute specialists, specialists in, um, in agriculture. And they do work, they do work around the world, but um, they really specialize in this. And that's a place where I think I've learned a lot of like kind of the lessons is again, back from copywriting and ghostwriting content for them over the years and just meeting with their partners and learning best practices. I think they're phenomenal. But I just think that 
a blessing of mine of being on the outside and not maybe an employee of the farm me directly is being able to kind of learn what does work in the outside world and again kind of seeing because I'll tell you nothing <laughs> nothing shows the um the truth of dysfunction more than making a website like I just know that for a fact because it's like well who's on the team page whose picture's higher what do we do where are we going why are we doing this what are we selling what should the name of it be how do we care about that oh you don't want to farm that in three years so it shouldn't go on the website oh like they're so like all the guts come out as soon as you start making a website which is probably where I learn a lot of these sort of like key observations quite frankly Wow. Yeah. If every family farm could just go through a website building exercise. <laughs> oh my God. I would just like, honestly, I would have already, I don't know. I think I would have already quit, but, um, that that's probably a place where it's just sort of like a little bit more systemizing. And again, I think that's where corporate farming operations, and we have plenty of those clients. They are huge mega companies, but they are able to work through data and work through just hard facts a, a family farming operation has the same information but how they approach it is so different right like it's just a different meeting and that like involves like trust and tradition and respect for your elders and it's just like so many things where like that corporate farming entity they still have employees that they have to care for and they probably do they have um, a PL, they have a balance sheet they have expenses they have a lot of the like more similarities than not to a family farming industry or family farming entity they just are making decisions in a much different way because they're being held accountable in different ways and it doesn't involve like are we going to lose grandma's house or not? You know, so there's just like the emotion is stripped away, like you first mentioned. And I would love to see more family farms succeed in the future by figuring out how to evolve and adapt. And it's hard to watch some of the realities that is happening with consolidation and whatnot. It's painful, but the truth is, we shouldn't be in business just because we love the way of life. That's just not reality. That's not how any company is. It's not any other industry is. That is such a powerful statement. And thinking back to the statistic you just shared about 92% of, you know, the farm is family yeah. owned. Like yeah. that is, that's powerful. I didn't know that. And when I think about the family farm, I think I just automatically assume that they're all just like my family farm was, right? So like a mom and a dad, and right. we've been around for a couple of generations, and now we've got these kids, and mm -hmm. it's the make or break of are the kids going to come back to the farm? And if not, mm -hmm. then what's going to happen with it? Mm -hmm. And I think if if more farms earlier on started to look at their operation as an actual business and not just something that we do to earn money as a family, mm -hmm. it would be a game changer. And so not saying that you can't care about your farm or be emotionally invested in it and have passion mm -hmm. to it, but it doesn't drive your decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, another thing, and this might be a hot take, we might lose the whole audience right now, but you know, women typically are better at having vulnerable conversations and they're just typically better communicators. Let's be real. 
if more women were sitting at those tables because guess what guess who's also far like signing the loan documents grandma mom wife but are they in the decision making capacity are they sitting at the table deciding what to do i think probably behind the scenes but if they were more in front of the scenes it might be a different conversation i don't know i mean that's just something that i i, I think in the in the truth is I think in the past it was sort of, and this isn't totally untrue, but you know, you just need to have a lot of like physical strength in order to farm because you got to like lift heavy things and do heavy things. And that's not totally untrue in any way. But there's a lot more ag tech. There's a lot more technology that does not involve as much like maybe manual power. Um, and that's, I think, again, I think that's going to kind of breed a little bit more inclusivity. Yeah, this that's podcast a episode is full of hot takes, by the way. I mean, I <laughs> knew before we hit record that this could possibly be all over the place. And that's, I think, because there's so much that you have that's valuable to share to my audience. And I think there's so many things that I wish I could just share and say, here's something you need to consider. But it's really hard to do that when it impacts so many areas. And, you know, going back to the personal and the professional side of things, right? Like you mentioned, we need to have a business discussion, not at the family kitchen, because that's where we should be talking about home and, and our life totally. side of things. So like just having a separate meeting place could be the game changer. And I think the same can be said for so many things, not just the family farm, but anything within ag. I mean, whether you're a rancher, whether you're, um, you own a feed store together with your family, whether you own a meat packing facility or uh, an auction house, whatever the thing is, any kind of family owned business mm -hmm. should be taking into consideration these things. But since I focus in the ag industry, that's obviously what we're talking about, but mm -hmm. I want to hear your take more on like the steps, right? So you mentioned like um, having a board of directors, having mm -hmm. the org chart, having um, a, a designated role for each person. Mm -hmm. I talk a lot about this tool called the working genius on my podcast. And are you a working genius fan? Oh, baby. All right. Patrick Lencioni. Yes. Oh mm -hmm. my gosh. Sure. I love working genius and I, I I'm a working genius facilitator. And anytime oh, I really? do a workshop with a farming operation, you've oh, always got some people who are like, yes, tell me how we can communicate better as a family. Yes. Mm -hmm. Let's assign the right kid to the right role. Instead of dad, just barking orders and saying, yep. you go do this, you go do that. You go to that. Like the, yep. the person in charge can put the right person on the right task. And so I would love to just dive into that a little bit further. Sure. If you're cool with it. I know this is totally For spontaneous, sure. but spontaneous uh, is my love language. I have the <laughs> genius of wonder. So we can wonder about how things should be all day long. And then I can also innovate on it and then galvanize too. So are you a wonder and ideation person? Is that, is ours your geniuses? My, um, my primary genius is one, or is it primary? No, what's the top? Um, so you've got your genius, your competency, and your frustration. So my genius is wonder, which anybody who works with me would be like, oh, 
her alley and her wonder um because my wonder comes out at the most like inopportune in times <laughs> right before some like right as we're like walking into a meeting um so wonder and then galvanizing okay so I'm a wonder and discerner and oh, okay I always am that person who's like, well, what about this? Or what do you think about this? Or why do we do things this way? And so knowing that I can be somewhat of a destructor when Uh it comes to that, Uh I know that that can play out on the family farm. And so just having that awareness Uh of who brings what to the table and being able to assign the right tasks to the right people is really cool. And that's where, when you talked about the org chart, I was like, yes, because so much of the, the family farm, and I wish there was another term I could use for that. But when I just think of like a standard farming operation that isn't in a business mindset, that's like the org chart, somebody who hasn't gone that step yet. It's the hierarchy is here's mom or dad at the very top or grandpa, even depending on the Mm -hmm. farm and then everybody else. Yeah. And you know, um, Casey, one, a book that I'm sure that you've read is the, um, the e-myth by Michael Gerber, like the entrepreneur's myth that, I just reread it uh, recently as I was kind of thinking honestly through my my own small business and that is where um, he gave a great example about two brothers starting a widget company and the first way they did it was we're just gonna you know all hands on deck we're brothers I open one day you open the other day it's just like if you're not doing it I'm doing it all good okay then they bring in an employee and an employee and an employee, and all of a sudden quality goes down, frustration goes up, all the things happen, right? Um, and so, and it implodes. Okay. Then scenario two, what if brothers said, okay, you're good at this, you're good at this, I'm good at this. Okay, we know in order for this company to work, we need a CEO, we need a COO, we need a CFO, we need a marketing and sales person, we also need an admin person, and we need a product quality person. And then let's write down the description of what each of those roles do. And then you know what, we're still two brothers, but you know what, you're better at making big picture decisions. Okay, you're going to be the CEO. Okay, you take that hat. Okay, you're better at marketing and sales and the customers love you. Okay, you go over to sales and marketing. Okay, you are just better at tinkering than I am. You're product person. Now, the product person might be the same person as the CEO who also might be the CFO who also, you know, but at least it is you've got the structure. So that way, if you do grow, you're actually primed for growth. And then you could be like, okay, you know, we're gonna slot somebody in here to do this and this is your job description. And now I don't have to do that anymore. But it's just being intentional about where you wanna go and then creating structure so that you can get there. And I mean, I, I this is my goal every day. Now it doesn't mean I'm perfect in my own business, but that is the goal. And I would say, for anybody here listening who does have a small business, who has, you know, the normal, I mean, small businesses go out of business every single day. So really, as we think about like fam- losing family farms and consolidation, it's actually just following the trend of what uh, all other businesses do. So um, I think that would be a great, that'd be a great read for those struggling kind of with how to run a small business, including a farm. Ooh, thank you for that book recommendation. Yeah, I I feel like that's the that's the hurdle, that's the challenge because I think so many farming operations and and I I think we're talking about farming operations because you know like the whole ideation or the whole 
mission of what you you've kind of set out is how do we bridge that gap or how do we um, make sure that people know where their food is coming from. And most people, when they think about where their food comes from, picture that standard old McDonald had a farm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like family, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not sustainable. Like you said, that 10 acre farmer in New Jersey is not actually the big picture. That's not actually what's going to continue to feed the world. And mm-hmm. so we've got to, we've got to find a way to help the family farm think about the things that they love and they're passionate about and are an emotional tie to mm-hmm. in a business aspect. And when you, when you're able to say, brother one, I know that you are really passionate about naturally gifted at these things. And I'm going to make you CEO. That doesn't mean that the older brother who's naturally gifted at these other things that's dubbed operations manner is a less important role or, oh, dad must favor this one brother versus me because he named him a higher role on the org chart. You're still coming at it in a way that's like, I know that these are my strengths. I'm Mm -hmm. still a part of this family farm. I'm still continuing this legacy, but I'm also educating the consumer on where their food is coming from without my emotions holding back our family's success. Mm -hmm. And we're able to do it in a way that's like, okay, we can still be sustainable. We can still feed the world, but still hang on to our roots at the same mm-hmm. time. Well, I think that also is why you need to be bringing in, I mean, use the working genius or any of the other tools similar, but that's also where like, if you know that you're missing some of like, you know, if you're missing like the enabling person or you're missing, you know, like that's one of my weaknesses, which is why I really focus on bringing people that have that characteristic on my team Um, but if you know that you have big holes that you're missing um, or you just need to lighten the conversation I really think that's where outside that's where outside board members or outside advisors can be really really helpful Um, and but that again goes back to vulnerability are you willing to share guess what most people aren't Mm-hmm. I think but, when you think about it from your perspective as a business owner, you're probably using tools like that in your business with the staff that you hire. But uh-huh. like you said, it's one of those things where if you're a farm owner, are you willing to let somebody else in on where you might be weak or where you might uh-huh. be struggling? And there's so much pride that gets in the way of actually being able to help someone with that, because we don't know that those areas of gap exist. And so I always do a team map with the farms that I use during those workshops, but I don't call it a team map because most farms don't talk about the people that they employ as a team, their family members or employees. Right. And so I always say like, let's just figure out like where everybody fits uh-huh. take away some of the corporate lingo. And yeah. that seems to be a little bit better of an approach. But for today's conversation's sake, when we take a team map, you can, th- you can apply that to a business, like a mm-hmm. corporate business. You can apply this to an organization. Maybe you're on the Indiana corn and soybean board. Like I'm in Indiana. So that's why I picked that one. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're on, uh, you know, the volunteer fire department, maybe mm-hmm. like it does not matter any association that you're tied to, or even down to the family farm, mm-hmm. you can look at who's involved 
who needs to be put on what type of position. And mm -hmm. if you're a solopreneur, like you're the only one who's involved and you have to wear every single hat, mm -hmm. every job is a six letter job or, a, you know, can involve all the geniuses. Mm -hmm. And even if you are doing most of the work, that's a frustration, that's going to give you the grace and like the, the relief of knowing I may not be enjoying this part of my job, but I know it's part of it. And I kind of have a different mindset going into it now that I know what my geniuses are, or I know, okay, I need to hire that one part out or delegate it to somebody else. And so it can be so powerful in both your home life, in your marriage, in your corporate business, in the organizations that you volunteer on, in your family farming operation, like literally every aspect. And so that's why I, I preach on the, the working genius in pretty much every single episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and I think that a lot of people listening might be like, that's all well and good, but you know what, Casey and Allie, I can't afford that. We're barely getting by. Like we don't financially have the luxury to like make all these investments that you're talking about I think that's probably a lot of people are saying that like gosh ag tech sounds great but I, we can't afford anything else like we're we're, we're not even breaking even right now but I feel like that's also a place where again stepping outside of it and thinking like more a little bit more strategically or thinking from a like a little bit of a growth mindset or just reshifting and if you know you're already like losing the farm and it's already a depressing state what that's where outside counsel can probably and if it's an accountant or if it's a friend or whatnot can say well this looked like it was going pretty well what if you focused on that or guess what I just heard that like we're going to be getting you know this this crop is this crop is doing really well what if you farm that that's where I think the outside perspective is really good yeah I think I hear that most common where they're like, I just can't afford that investment or I just can't afford to make any changes right now. And I'm, and I always challenge that. And the situation is always different, but the big one is how much money are you spending on new equipment in your seed in your fertilizer and chemical or your, you know, your personnel, but yeah. it could be a, that investment into your own personnel is the smallest investment compared yeah. to new equipment, new machinery, um, whatever it is, it's the smallest investment with the biggest and greatest impact. Totally. And the it's quickest like, return, the quickest it's return, not a normal line yeah. item. That's the problem. Yeah. It's not a normal line item. And that's where I think that people get into trouble. Yeah. And, and when I hear people say like, what's the, what's the quickest way I can get a return on my investment? What's the best, yeah. you know, investment that I can make that's going to show up the quickest. I'll see the quickest impact. And I'm like, it's your people. Totally. Anytime I've done a working genius workshop or anytime in the Agriminds program, when we touch on that 10 minutes in people are going, Oh, 10 minutes. Yeah. Sometimes you can't see a return on the soil practices that you're doing for a couple of years. Right. Totally. Totally. So that's why I always say like, it all comes down to your people, but understanding and having the awareness of what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are and how to regulate the emotion mm -hmm. behind all of that is what is going to make or break the family farm. In my opinion. Totally. Oh, well, lots, we could go on about that forever. Yeah, that's some good stuff. Well, thank you so much, Allie, for joining me today. If someone wanted to utilize your services, work with you and your team, where can they find you? And do you have anything that you want to just share in particular about what you can offer or help them with? Sure. 
The best way to probably reach us is our website at wearenoblewest.com or you can go to Instagram handle uh, wearenoblewest or you can follow me on LinkedIn at Allie Cox. That's a normal place to find me. That's my new, that's my water cooler. But I think if folks here are interested in help kind of telling their own story or for their family, for their family or regional business, or just really want to know more about ag marketing, please feel free to reach out. I love talking about it. Yes. Well, you're doing some amazing things. I'm so glad that you took the time to be on the AgriMinds podcast. Thanks, Casey. All right. Thank you.